The Uncertain, Chapter 7, Truth. I sat twirling the empty cup in my hand, spinning it in a way that resembled how a cowboy would spin a gun before putting it back in its holster. It was peaceful here in his coffee shop. Well, it was a bit hectic really, but for me, it brought solace. There was a lot going on around me, but after spending such a tiring night alone in an abandoned apartment, it was soothing to have other people around me. The woman with the book seemed remarkably unbothered by all that was going on around her. The espresso machine was buzzing constantly, milk was being steamed, and the odd man in the mismatched suit was talking to himself loud enough for anyone to hear. All of this was going on, and it didn't bother me because I didn't have to think about anything. At the most, I wondered what book the lady was reading and what the man was writing down in his journal as he talked to himself. Other than that, I had no thoughts. None whatsoever. I just sat there, enjoying the scenery through the window, playing my part in what was going on inside. The sun had gained its peak position in the sky, and the streets and shops around me were busy with traffic. There were families trying to keep together in the crowds, children tugging on their arms of their parents towards toys or treats in the windows that caught their attention. Shopkeepers were either trying to gain the attention of passers-by or attending to those who decided to go into their shops. Across the street and back towards the way I came, the art place I passed by still looked closed. No sign of the owner and no sign of anyone showing interest in what might be inside. I wonder if the bookstore next door is as unlucky with customers as the art shop. Why isn't the owner of the art shop there? The street is plenty busy. There are plenty of opportunities to sell something. I was so focused on what was going on outside that I didn't notice the cafe owner walk up and stand right next to my chair. He was quiet for a moment, and just stared in the same direction I did before he leaned over and whispered, I'll finish with that, or did you want to hold on to it for a little bit longer? <laughs> no, you can take it. I think I'm done with it for now. Thank you. Uh, I'm sorry, I never caught your name. You can call me Ernie. How long were you standing there? Not long, I didn't want to interrupt you, but you've been playing with my mug for a while, and I'm afraid you might drop it and break it. I know it isn't pretty, but I don't have too many of them anymore. Oh, I'm sorry. It's kind of something I do when I'm thinking, twitch my fingers. If there happens to be an object in my hand, then I toss it around without noticing, really. I have some broken ones I don't use if you want to substitute for this one. No, thank you. I think I'll be all right now. So, what is it that has your attention with the market? All of it, really. But Ernie, how come the art place over there isn't open? You'd have to ask the owner that. Where is he? You mean, where is she? She's sitting right over there, reading the book, The Definition of Proper Art. Oh. Okay. What's her name? That's Sasha. She looks like you should be afraid of her, but it's a front she puts on. She just doesn't like people wasting her time. Okay, then. Thanks, Ernie. You're welcome. Uh, what was your name again? Ernie! I have so much to tell you. So many great things. And good news for you, too, I must say. The loud woman burst through the door in a way that startled everyone. Had I not had coffee to wake me up, she would have done so with her entrance. Sorry about her. She can be pretty loud and oblivious. That's Martha, I assume? Yeah, that's Martha. And I will talk a little later. Or maybe a lot later. This may take a while. No problem. I think I can find something to do until then. I walked over to the woman sitting near the pastries. Excuse me, Miss Sasha? Do you mind if I ask you a question? 
that depends on the question. I was just wondering, if your art shop is down the street and people are out and about buying things, why aren't you out there trying to get their attention? She looked up at me and then over my shoulder at the market. She closed her book gently and placed it between us on the table. Take a seat, and I'll tell you why. You see, the thing with art is, it requires a certain type of eye to notice it and understand its worth and beauty. The people outside don't have this kind of eye. But don't you think that if they saw you out there with your art, they'd want to stop and want to know what you have? I've tried that. I've tried displaying the different art I have out in front of me, but nobody has stopped to purchase it in a long time. That's unfortunate. I'm sorry to hear that. When I passed by this morning, it seemed like there were some amazing things inside. You liked what you saw? Yeah. I don't remember the last time I saw a piece of art like that, up close. Well, what did you see? What did you think? The only thing I could really make out was the glass figurine and the dish set in the window. The figurine looked to me like it was people dancing. That's what I saw, too. You know, that piece happened completely by accident. I was trying to make an extended, abstract piece of glass to hang from my ceiling. I thought that if that one went well, I could try to make wind chimes, something people would be able to enjoy and not need to find a place for them. Did you end up making any wind chimes? No. I don't even think I tried. How come? I just got wrapped up in the dancers. I tried time and time again to recreate what I had done, but it never happened. The reason they are the colors they are is because when they melted, all the other colors blended together. That isn't supposed to happen. There used to be purple and greens and blues and reds and a bit of white as well. Now, it's just the two colors. I don't even know where the gold came from. They're beautiful, though. Even an accidental success such as that one has a possibility to happen again. Yeah, but it's a very small opportunity. True, but don't all big moments start off as small opportunities? It just takes a lot of time and practice to create small moments on a bigger scale. Isn't that part of what art is? What do you mean? I mean, isn't art the collected gathering of small moments that help create a bigger one? In a way, I guess that makes sense, but recreating something like the dancers seems pretty much impossible. Maybe it seems impossible because you're focusing on the wrong aspect of the art. Instead of focusing on trying to recreate the same sculpture, focus your thoughts and energy on how creating something new makes you feel. It's the process and the imperfections that make art so unique and mesmerizing, not the outcome of what was done. I guess I don't really know when the last time was that I just felt what I was doing with my work. What about the plates and cups? That one looks like they represent the four elements. Oh yeah, those were on purpose. After trying to recreate the dancers, I went back to see what shapes and designs I could make, and then cups and plates came the easiest. I've always had an appreciation for nature. It was my inspiration for much of my life, and so putting it into glass just made sense. Even though it really bothers me that I only have that one set of dancers, the cups and plates came to me freely. With the dancers, could you imagine having different ones in different colors and different positions? It would symbolize the coming together of all kinds of people, different shapes and sizes, colors, backgrounds, different amounts of time spent on each one. Some would be separated from their partners, and others would be connected just by the slightest touch. And made out of glass, the symbolism, the sheer delicacy of the entire outcome. Do you think people would connect to it? Do you think they'd be able to see themselves in the art? I don't think everyone would, but a few for sure. I'd like to think I'd be one of the few. You know, 
I wouldn't even care if people wanted to buy the dancers. I'd just be happy to have something amazing that people could come in and just marvel at. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but isn't the point of art to just be seen and observed? I understand the desire to make sure something will inspire and strike on to all who happen upon it. I just don't think that that should be the main motivation behind art. Any art, really. I suppose I can see your point. For example, the wind chime idea you had. That was simple enough that people who bought one wouldn't have enjoyed them, and people who didn't could have enjoyed just hearing the sound it made and seeing a simple design change in the light. To you, that may not be a marvelous idea, but to a particular family or a person who lives on their own, it can make all the difference on a cold day. Haven't you ever wondered if something you did or thought was good enough? Yeah. More times than I can really remember, but I think that the only reason that happens is to show us how unaware we are of our own potential. It's scary to know we could possibly fail, but equally scary to know that we can just as well succeed. Do you think it's ever too late to try? Is it ever too late to accomplish an idea? I think it's only too late if someone believes it is. It can really go either way. It's really just a matter of perspective. It's always a good idea to look at something with hope, though. Even if it seems like it's pointless to do so, a little hope can go a long way. The last sentence caught her off guard because she gave me a look that suggested I struck a nerve. All the best things begin with hope. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Is that something you believe? I used to. A long time ago. I guess... I just let myself forget it. The good thing about forgetting is knowing you have something to look forward to once you remember. You look very young. How is it you know so much? I just reflect on what it is I see in the world and in others, really. I basically speak my mind, but not a lot of people have appreciated it. No, most people wouldn't. A lot of people, in my experience, say they would prefer the truth, but don't really like it once they hear it. It's more like they want to hear what they think not what is really true. I know what you mean. I've lost a lot of people in my life because of that very misunderstanding. The truly good people will want to keep you around and invite you further into their lives. So don't you worry about those who push you away. Thank you, Sasha. I have to admit, I'm glad we crossed paths. May I ask you something? Why is it you like the dancers so much? It seemed romantic. A moment of romance suspended in time in the arch of the female partner and held onto by the hands of the male. Because for the rest of time, they have to believe in one another. They have to let the other one know that they will always be there. I didn't know it at the time, but it's an example of what life's about. Staying true and having faith in each other. Plus, it's nice to see it a bit of romanticism around despite all that's happened. You've been talking to Ernie, haven't you? A little bit before anyone got in here this morning. How'd you know? He said similar things to me before, but for some reason hearing you say it makes a difference. How's that? Because everything you said, you said without fear, hesitation, or regret. It came from your soul. As if you believe it and have always believed it. I used to feel the same way about my art, so I guess I see a bit of who I used to be in you. It seems to me the time has come to once again start living in the moment. Well, I'm glad I could help. I was worried I'd waste your time asking you about your shop. No, not at all. It was something that I think had to happen. 
I'm starting to think it was no coincidence me coming into Ernie's or for me to have stayed in that apartment all night. Good luck to you, Sasha. Hopefully I'll see a wind chime in front of your shop the next time I come around. Not just that, but a few more dancers, too. It made me feel good to know that I'd helped Sasha regain her sense of vision. It not at all had been my intention, but I think that made it even better. Sasha was sitting in her chair, as if searching her mind for more lost art ideas. I sat there, too, turned sideways in the chair, thinking of the thin line separating strength and weakness. I guess we all have a certain amount of potential within us. We all have a strength that could easily become a weakness if we allow the tiniest of circumstances to cloud our vision. Yet, thriving beneath this shared vulnerability is honesty, individual inner truths that are meant to be expressed because in our most vulnerable of times, we find guidance and compassion and share a bigger portion of who we are with each other. Maybe we're meant to find and appreciate our individual weaknesses so that we can share them with one another and create an everlasting strength. As I walked back to my original table, Sasha picked up her book, smiled, and waved goodbye to me. She gave a hurried wave to Ernie as she walked out of the door, and Ernie waved back, which distracted Martha for a moment, That then she turned right back to pick up where she left off. Maybe it was where she left off. Her hands were going all over the place as she talked. I couldn't imagine what was going on in the conversation between she and him. Poor Ernie. I don't think I've heard him really get a word in since she came in here. As I sat down, I saw that the shadow of the tree outside had shifted a good distance from where it was before. I leaned over to the skittish man who, in Martha's grand entrance, had dropped the other half of his pastry on the floor. He didn't seem to notice until I interrupted his writing. Excuse me. What time would you guess it is? Oh, I don't need to guess. I have a watch. It's quarter after two. Okay. You know, you dropped your pastry. I did? Hmm. I did. Thank you. No problem. Thank you for the time. Of course. Then, I noticed something about the notebook he had with him. All the pages were filled, from front to back, full of notes and doodles. It didn't look very organized. There were some things written vertically and other things written from side to side, arrows pointing to certain senses, and then others crossed out entirely. Um, if you don't mind me asking, what is it you have there? Oh, this? It's just something I'd been working on here and there. In fact, every so often I come in here and just add more things to it. Ernie sets a good atmosphere here. It's very easy for me to get a lot of done. Just my espresso and my notebook, and then I lose track of time. Is it all one thing you write about in it? Oh, it's not just things I write. It's things I hear or see or think about. Sometimes I don't feel like writing, so I draw. And other times I don't feel like doing either. So I just look at the pages until something new is presented to me. So then it's about life. I guess so, yeah. It's more or less a collection of lives and different things they mean. It's quite a lot to explain, but if I had to sum it up, I, I'd say it started really with a theory. A theory of conspiracy. As we, not just you and I, but all people, in and throughout history, have grown to conspire to only show the best parts of who we are, and sometimes we attempt to alter history to do so. So it's about history, then. No, no, not entirely. See, I own the bookstore next door. Did you see the name? No, I passed by it, but I didn't even think to look for a name. I was just wondering why it's closed. I wanted to see if I could find a book I found in an apartment in there to see if it was something well-known. Oh, okay. Well, the name's Lost Books. I, I have a whole bunch of everything in there. What's the book you found? Oh, it's a black book. No name on the cover and no title. Not any kind of clue as to what might be in it. I just don't want to open it and be disappointed, you know? No, I don't know. I've never opened a book and been disappointed. Each one is unique and valuable in its own right. Wait. If you own the bookstore, why aren't you there now? Why isn't it open? 
I close it today. For me, the first market of the month is always the slowest. I'm using the opportunity to get some things written down that I've had on my mind for a while now. As far as what I'm writing today, because I know you're going to ask me, I'm just trying to put all ideas and concepts in one location where people can get to them and understand the difference between past and present. So you've been trying to gather as much information as possible in order to change back the changes that have been made to our history? Yeah, except you can't change back what's already been done. You can only hope to influence a better outcome for what may happen in the future. What we read of history and what we are told is, for the most part, something we accept based on our idea of faith. Ernie and I were just talking about this. We only touched on the topic a little, but he told me that faith is basically not being able to see something, but knowing it's there. Yeah, imagine walking through a room blindfolded. You have no choice but to stick at your arms and feel your way around, hoping you don't run into something and hurt yourself or break something valuable. Now, with our history, whether it be personal or worldwide, we're told exactly where things are in the room so that we can easily navigate our path. What if we were to take off the blindfold? What if when we did so, we found out that we weren't just standing in a room blindfolded, we were standing in a huge house and it was pitch black inside? We'd be under the impression that something was wrong. You mean like someone betrayed us? Yes and no. I mean, we betrayed ourselves because we stood somewhere with no idea where we were or what had happened before we got there and neglected to ask ourselves why we were there or where we should be going. We just felt our way around a small portion of a greater area. Yes, faith is accepting the idea of not being able to see a certain thing, and that's important for a person to have, but blind faith grants clarity to its holder. So, all of what you have on every page are facts to support this theory. No, what I have are experiences, both mine and those I've seen and collected from observing others, just like a book. Each and every one of us has our own story. We all have our own story to tell. I don't want to make history, I want to record it for someone or many later on to see and understand, to be able to relate to it in ways that were often overlooked in the history books of before. You see, there's no way to learn what mistakes not to make and what lessons to pass on if only half of all of them are recorded. Please excuse me, I, I think I'm going to have to write this little conversation of ours down. I hadn't even gotten to say okay before he frantically flipped to the new page, he started to feel around for his pastry and then moved his foot and I could see he felt it crunch under the tip of his shoe. He picked it up and pinched a piece of lint off of it, took a small bite out of it, and then he twirled his pen in his hand between his fingers. A few crumbs fell on his book. He picked it up and shook them loose. Odd man. Not the kind of conversation I would have expected from him, really. I could understand what he was saying, though. It all made sense, even though I was sure his notebook was just a cluster of nonsense. The gist of what he had said was the truth, which was, we'd allowed ourselves to get used to an idea. We allowed ourselves to settle into a way of living because it was comfortable, not because it was right. We let who we really were dwindle away bit by bit because we took it upon ourselves to make the choice for others the kinds of lives they should be living. Thinking back on it now, the stories I've heard and certain parts of old things I've read, that's how it was. It's sad, really, to know that so many people were denied the ability to be happy, all because certain groups and people were afraid to change small parts of whom they were for the betterment of others. It's just another example of uncompromising common courtesy, the very beginning of the loss of our humanity. I was born into a belief system, a kind of religion that I've been told was one of the top religions in the world, but I've heard the opposite from others. I was raised within certain traditions and expected to be a certain way because that's how others before me had behaved. I did. I prayed the way I was told I should pray. 
I went to the ceremonies I was told to go to. I even tried to be friends with only those who were raised to believe in the same way I was. I did all of this and more, without question, until I reached the age of 19. Then, I began to wonder. I began to drift away from my religious expectations. I didn't do so in the prospect of negating everything I was told or taught, but more so because I wanted to gain different experiences and expand upon the beauty of lessons I'd been taught. To put into practice what it was I was told I had to do, but saw no one else who was raised in the same expectations doing. I was told it shouldn't matter the beliefs of others because each and every one of us has something bigger than who we are that we believe in. That to love one another no matter what was the very purpose that we all had been put into this world. That learning to love ourselves, learning to love oneself is only the beginning of a greater purpose of which we're all connected to. When the time came, I asked some of my teachers why things were the way they were and had been, even though so many people had been taught and endowed with the base of existing. They said, Not everyone can be like us. We are special and gifted in ways that others are not fortunate enough to be. So we must show them our ways. That way they too can be as blessed as us. That statement, still to this day, makes no sense to me. So many people are taught that everyone is equal, yet are later expected to adhere to a jaded understanding that only those who embraced in what or who is said to be good are truly good. That everyone who is not part of that group has to marvel at someone else's greatness. That only one opinion matters. All others are unimportant or insignificant. All this created was hypocritical hysteria. It's no wonder he wants to put more perspective on what will one day be history. My choice to embark on a more spiritual journey didn't sit well with a lot of people, especially those who would perform many of my rites of passage ceremonies, but I knew it would be better. It was, and had always been my nature to be curious and question things, and it had always escorted me to betterment and personal growth. Even though most often my questions were met with trying and difficult obstacles, it was always worth it in the end to stand victorious in a shadow that once overpowered my presence. Through that journey, I learned many things. Most of the time, lessons and certain ideas repeated themselves. It was fascinating to me how even though a lot of these religions and beliefs had been based in different parts of the world, all of them had one thing in common, the sole purpose of bringing people together. It was all about unity, through love, patience, passion, determination, character, wisdom, and much more. I was able to talk to a few people from different belief backgrounds, and all of them expressed the desire to achieve the most overlooked attributes of life. Not all of them had the same way of living, but all of them wanted just one thing, to live happily, not sheltered from pain and fear or burdened by false expectations, just to be and help others be. What we believe is of small significance. The important things are why we believe and how we act on what we believe in. It is and has never been enough to be told that there's someone there, nor has it been enough to be told that we should see something in a way that others before us have, before we knew there was something to be seen. It's impossible to believe in anything, to acknowledge there is something more than we can see if a person refuses to open up their heart and mind. All that can do is force people to fit into a mold, one that is wrongly depicted as personifying perfection. 
then it becomes not about belief, but entitlement. Starting to share the responsibility of knowing that none of us have to be perfect can change everything. There's no way for any of us to know the truth of how we began, but we should work together to ensure that the world continues, that life continues. All right, I'm back. That woman can talk all day, and in fact, she has once. I rarely got anything done, but sometimes you have to just let people say what they want to say, because to them, it's important. So what did I miss? I saw you talking to Joseph and Sasha before she left. How was that? It wasn't too bad. Not really what I expected. Sasha and I talked about art and what it means, and she told me the different things she wanted to do but stopped pursuing. Sounds like a good talk. Why'd she leave? Oh, I think I helped her see why it's important not to give up on something just because you grow weary of uncertainty. How it is important to push through what seems impossible because all new things seem impossible at first. Really? That's what you said? Well, something along those lines. I don't really remember because it was all in the moment. You saying what you said got her to go and open her shop. Again. I don't know if she's opening it up today, but I think she's getting started on a few new ideas she had for her glasswork, starting from a few of the basics so she can build up to who she wants to be. I see. I've been trying to get her to go back for a while now, and then you come in here and change everything. I've been saying the exact same thing to her. I don't get it. What about Joseph? Did you get him to go and sell his books or something? No, he and I just talked. Rather, he talked, and I just sat there and listened, tried not to intrude on his train of thought because it seemed like he knew where he was going. Yeah, that's true. I'm hesitant to stop him a lot of the time. When he and I first talked, I was surprised too. I thought he would be much more frantic and scattered. I mean, he was, but I think that's his way of warming up to people. Yeah, I could see that. It was good though. How long has he been working on that book? I don't know. What color was it? I'm not sure. I think it's green. I didn't get a good look at it, really. He flipped it open too fast. Well, if it's a green one, it's a new one. Last week, he had a gray one. You mean he did all of that in a week? It's more than halfway finished. I know. He works fast. I think his mind is as vivid and obscure as his outfits, but it suits him. He's a good man. Yeah, he is. Odd, but good. Have you heard his history conspiracy theory? Oh, yeah. That's a good one. It's not as far-fetched as some of the other conspiracy theories I've heard in my day, but I could actually follow along with it. His collection of books at the store is astounding. I can imagine so. No, I don't mean just printed books. I mean journals and scraps of paper he finds laying around on the street. He makes scrapbooks out of those. He lives to gather things. That way he can leave as much information behind as possible for other people to learn from. Really? Journals too? So he just asks people if he can have them to keep at the store or what? Sometimes, but a lot of people around here know him, so if they find something they think is interesting or they have a journal they think would help his collection, they give it to him. Interesting. You know, I found a book at the place I was staying at last night. I haven't opened it or anything, but it has kind of this mysterious air about it. Really? Or is it you wore it before you came here? I found an abandoned apartment at the far end of the street. I checked around before I went in and it didn't seem like anyone lived there. No, nobody lives there. There was a family there about six months ago, but they moved on to the next colony. So are you going to open this book up and see if there's anything good in it? Maybe in a little while. Joseph brought a lot of things to my attention. Things I hadn't really thought about in a while. Like what? Just a few things about how religion went from a way of bringing people together to a reason to keep everyone divided. 
The messages meant to inspire love and peace were changed to inflict hate and distrust. It's all a bit depressing. Wow, Joseph really did get you. That's good. Even though everybody knows him, not many people are willing to sit and listen to him or try and make sense of things he says. What brought you to religion? Did he say something about it? No, no, it's, it's just something that I remember questioning first. The first thing I questioned that gained negative remarks and discouragements. Ah, I see. So you were curious about how to apply yourself to religion, right? No. I was curious as to how I could apply myself to the ideas that span beyond the gates of religions. Curious as to how I could be more than what others had depicted I should be, and how I could help others to do the same. This kind of correlates to the conversation we are having before, about chance, except now you brought up the variable of curiosity, which again is a logical and understandable feeling, especially in terms of something you believe in. But what's the saying? Curiosity killed the cat? Yeah, but often overlooked is the fact that we are enabled with curiosity from the day we are born. It's a simple human nature, to reach out as an infant at a finger because you're uncertain of what it is, so you want to touch it, feel it in your hand, and know that it's real. As a baby, you have never been told to reach out for something, and it's not a concept you really understand, it's just an action to you at that point, something you feel you have to do. So why is it so bad to be curious and ask questions as you grow up? It's nearly frowned upon. Instead, people are expected to follow along with what we're told to do just because it's what had always been done. Yeah, as people grew up, they're slowly and steadily convinced over time not to question the most important things, the things that were said to have the most influence in our lives. Because when questions are asked and people go looking for answers, inevitably things will be lost in the process. A lot of people, people who believed in social standings and the continued manifestation of power in material objects, knew that all of what they had could and would be lost. It wasn't that they'd grown attached to these things, more like they'd become engrossed by them. They didn't know how to live without them, so they made a lot of other people think they had to have them. Really, it just became a disease and spread into an epidemic, and then, not too long after, people became a plague. Very few would question what would go on, even fewer would listen to those that did. You sound like you saw a lot of what happened before. I saw it, and I was a part of it. I did very little to fix things and make sure people, myself included, were happy. I'm very different from who I was. A lot of people are. I think your talk with Sasha was much needed on her part. She's been back and forth with so many ideas, really good ones too. I was actually getting tired of seeing her sit here and read book after book, although she and Joseph seem to become more friendly since she got all her books from him. We all need second chances in life to understand who we are and why it is we're here. How did you change? How did you cope with knowing you played a hand in how things had gotten so bad? One day, I woke up and told myself that wasn't who I am anymore. That isn't who I have to be. It's never too late for change, and there's always room to take hold of a second chance. It's really just a matter of will and courage. Getting past the prideful part you have in you, and becoming something better. You have to believe in yourself, and in doing so, learn to believe in others. Even though they can disappoint you, you shouldn't let that be the reason why you don't show them through your actions that you won't disappoint them. Take a chance, and have faith. Exactly. Have faith in yourself and the uncertain. If you do, 
that in one way or another, everything will work out the way it should. At least, that's been my experience. It's just about lunchtime here. Do you want to see a menu? In a little bit. I'm thinking about finally opening up this book. You know, just to see if it should be put in Joseph's collection or not. Alright. Well, let me know if you find anything good. I will. I promise. I took the book out of my pocket, put my hand on the cover, and flipped the corner of it a few times. Feeling the small gusts of air, it created flow in between my fingers. I looked out of the window and then back at Joseph. He was riding away like he was on a mission. Joseph, what are you writing now? What? I must have startled him. Either that or he was feeling the effects of the espresso shots he had. I didn't even see him get up to get more. When did Ernie give them to him? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's all right. I tend to drown the rest of the world out when I start to write my journal. Okay. Well, I'll let you get back to it then. Thank you. It shouldn't be too long now. What do you mean by that? Huh? Nothing, nothing. I was talking to myself. I didn't mean to say that out loud. Okay. You dropped your pen. Keep it. I have others. I might get another espresso. Okay. Why are you telling me? Yeah, I'll get another. He's talking to himself. That's an odd habit to have. Even though... I'm sure I've done it at least once or twice. I turned back towards the window. Odd. Even though so much has gone on earlier in the day and I've been content to see it all through a window, the thought of looking through a window any longer doesn't appeal to me. I think I might go and sit outside for a little bit. I sat down under the tree that stood in front of the pile of rubble, with my legs straight out and my feet hanging off the curb, dangling freely a couple inches off the ground. People still shopped around, but it was not as busy as before. Outside the art shop, I saw Sasha taking measurements. She already had her very own wind chime hanging in front of her door. The first prototype from when she started them and made the dancers, I bet. Looks good. People are already starting to notice. I felt the sun hitting my skin and warming my clothes. I took off my jacket and folded it in my lap. I tried twirling the pen in my fingers just as Joseph had. It wasn't as easy as it looked, but... It was fun to do anyway. On my right sat the book, unopened, unknown, and I was no longer bothered by it. I flipped the edges of the pages again from the top of the book to the bottom, its black cover quickly turning from black to white and then black again. A breeze came up and the leaves in the tree began to shake and shimmy, just as they had when I was a kid down in the memorable safe haven. It felt good. It felt like this is where I was supposed to be. We'd grown so used to looking at the world through a window as a society. For an entire night, that's all I did, trying to make sense of so many things, doing it all on my own, and even though it worked for a while, I soon realized I needed something more. The window provided me with a high vantage point, yes, and I could see down the street and on top of roofs and even into other buildings, but eventually I was blocked by my own reflection. When I wanted to see more, I couldn't because I was getting in my own way. I guess what it comes down to is knowing that a window will only allow you to see so much. Eventually you and your will, or lack thereof, begin to reflect in it. It loses its ability and becomes more and more restricted the longer you stare. Perhaps that's what made the world so crazy before, thinking each and every one of us had to figure everything out on our own getting too wrapped up in how important we wanted to be that we neglected the importance of all the people who could have impact our lives. 
There's no need to be concerned with people calling me a lunatic because what some may see as crazy, I now classify as accepting. I'm willing to accept a possibility that triumphs a previous possibility I didn't think was possible. Being willing to learn that what I thought was impossible is possible for someone else and that the same goes for me in his or her eyes, allowing for more common ground to be found and shared between us. Why is that crazy? Inside the cafe, I could see the lunch menus being passed around. No one picked it up right away, but it didn't seem to bother Ernie. He was really patient, and I couldn't imagine him being the opposite before any of us knew him. I wasn't feeling very hungry just yet. Besides, I promised Ernie I'd let him know if there was anything good in the book. I picked it up and put it on my lap as I flicked the pen with my ring and middle finger. I took a deep breath and slowly opened the book to the first page, then quickly turned to the next page, and then the next one, and then opened the book all the way to the middle. Of course, I couldn't help but smile and chuckle a bit at what I saw inside. It was empty. This whole time. I was at a loss. I felt a combination of both amazement and welcome. I honestly didn't see this coming. I don't think Ernie is going to believe it either. Or perhaps he will. In any case, I guess this won't be getting added to Joseph's collection. Then again, maybe it will. I looked at the pen in my hand and down at the first blank page as it sat in the book. Vacant, yet intriguing. I imagined the book was equally surprised with me for opening it now, after having neglected it for so long. It seemed to have held onto its own portion of the air from the apartment, letting bits of it go slowly with seemingly small breaths of anticipation as it waited to see what I would do next. That sheer nervous moment of appreciation between us allowed for an understanding to be reached. We both knew why we'd cross paths as we were brought back to where we first met. I smiled and uncapped the pen because I knew what I was going to do. I smiled out of the corner of my mouth, took in a big breath, and started writing. For as long as I can remember, I had been questioning the world around me, questioning its meaning and inquiring for it to include me so that I'd no longer feel disconnected.